Welcome to the Lifehouse Podcast. Our aim is that together we can love God, love others as we walk each step with Christ. We hope you find this message practical, encouraging and life-giving. Be blessed. That was so good. Thank you, Jacob, for your testimony and for the courage to go through the waters of baptism. So uh, my name is Mark. I'm one of the pastors here. And today I get to share on... Uh, oh, someone's in jail. No. We get to, I get to share on uh, our two-part, the second of, of our series, part two of The Gift. And last week's message was fantastic by Pastor Josh as he shared about what a gift it is to have Christ. Remember that. He had all the presents. But before I do, I want to pray... Because it's not just about me speaking here this morning. It's about uh, you guys. Like there's, there's a conversation happening between what I'm saying and what God is doing in our hearts and lives. And I want to, I want to present an opportunity to each person here to be brave and ask God to speak to you. I'm going to put that out there. Are there people here that are willing, as I pray, to say, yeah, God, I want you to speak to me. I want you to challenge me. And I don't know where you are at your life at the moment, the situations that you're going through and what you need to have to get through the day. But I'm just going to say, hey, would you be willing to say, God, I want you to... I want you to talk to me. I want you to challenge me. I want you to lead me. I want you to say something into my life. Yeah? So I don't know if anyone's brave enough to do that this morning, but let's do that. Father, we open up our hearts to you. And we recognize that you are God and we are not. We know some stuff, God, but you know everything. And so in humility, we ask you to speak to tell me something I don't know, to reveal something, to put me on a path that you want me on. God, we ask that in in humility, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to start by reading from uh, 2 Samuel 11. In the spring, at the time when kings go to war, David sent a job out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabah, but David remained in Jerusalem. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful. David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her. She came to him and he slept with her. Now she was purifying herself from her monthly uncleanness. And then she went back home. The woman conceived and sent word to David saying, I am pregnant. (laughs) 
Last week, um, many of you would know that there is uh, something we call a lad pad in uh, the town of Murraybridge, and that is where the lads, uh, Jacob, the, the tall guy that came and shared with our offering, and Seb and, and, and some others, they live together in a house. It's called the lad pad, the boy's house. And uh, I don't really know what gets up, what goes on in that place. But the other day they had the youth break up there and I went there and they gave me a bit of a tour through the house. And it's awesome. Like it's beautiful. Seb's room is the cleanest. (laughs) And uh, the others are all pretty good actually, to be honest. And uh, at the end of the night, I went and picked up Zoe from the youth breakup, and I was sitting out the back talking about four-wheel drives with Tim. And as I was sitting there, the house is kind of slightly elevated from the neighbours, and it's about 11 o'clock at night. And then I saw a light go on in, that, in the neighbour's house, and Tim said, oh, he kind of looked at his watch, that's the neighbour, he usually has a shower about now. Where is Tim? And I was like, what? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I looked across and, you know, the glass was frosted. Okay, so you couldn't really see exactly what was going on. But there was a guy having a shower. Okay, you know, the light came on and you could kind of hear the water and you kind of get the gist of what's going on. And so that's the situation that King David found himself in. Tim, don't send a messenger over to his house. And and if you're watching on the live stream, Tim's neighbour, maybe get some curtains. (laughs) But as I was reading this chapter the other day, I was going, I was doing my Bible reading, I was looking at this, and I felt God actually challenge me and say, Mark, there's there's a couple of things from this story that I want you to understand and I want you to share. And the first thing I felt God say is, he said, Mark, King David could see her because he was on the roof of his palace. He was given that for a purpose. His view was there for a purpose. He was a king. And I wanted him to have a a palace and I wanted him to have this elevated platform, this view to watch over my people, to care for them. You see, a king's palace is often high because it's strategic, right? It's strategic to be high. They're up and they they can see danger coming. They can see kind of what's going on in the town and they can communicate, you know, because there wasn't mobile phones back then. And so they would have flags and they could direct people to go different distances and they had scouts out that would, you know, you've seen that in the movies, right? So he was up high for a reason. And that reason was for the kingdom. But David didn't use it for that. And as I was reading this, I felt God challenge me. And he said, Mark... Everyone has a view. But they don't always use it for what they're meant to use it for. 
And I felt convicted, you know, because I have a view in a sense that my house is not up high. It's down lower than my neighbours and I can't see out in that specific way. But metaphorically, there's things I can do. There's strengths I've been given and there's gifts that God has given me. And the challenge is, am I using them for God or am I using them for myself? Am I thinking about the kingdom or are I thinking about myself? And it's challenging. So my first point is David had a view. He had a high place. And you have a view. You have a high place. There's something that you're good at. You might be smart. You might be really smart. You might be able to times numbers in your head. You might be able to work stuff out. You might be a university graduate. You might be good with your hands. You might be able to construct things and make stuff. You might be attractive. You might be good looking. You might be strong. You might be able to lift weights. You might be good at making friends. People might like you. You might have an ability to influence people. You might be good at making money. You might be financially savvy. You might have a beautiful home. And so the, the challenge is what, what do we do in that? What are we doing with that? If you've, had a, if you've got a beautiful home, are you inviting people there? If you're good looking, are you just using that as an opportunity? You know, you might be one of those girls that, that always has guys coming up to you and asking for your number. Do you just go, oh, thank you? Or do you say, look, up. Uh, not really into a relationship right now, but if you want to get to know me, why don't you come to church? <laughs> you know, the old flirt and convert. <laughs> Maybe you're an awesome cook. And are you just sharing that with your family and friends or are you inviting people that are hungry to have a really good meal? Right, you get what I'm saying. Somewhere you have a view. And maybe if you're young, it's sometimes hard to know what that is. But you have one. God has got something for you that you can do. And part of life's journey is working out what that is. But we have a view, right? King David had a view. And you have a view. You have a kingdom view. You have a king's view. Where is it that you can see further than anyone else? And your view has a purpose, right? 
King David's view had a purpose. It was for all the people that he was put in charge of, but he used and abused that view. And we have an opportunity for our town. And coming up is the Christmas festival. What an opportunity. This place is going to be filled with hundreds, maybe thousands of guests. Some of them, we don't know their stories, but some of them will be here on the worst day of their lives. Maybe they just lost a parent. Maybe they're going through a health issue. Maybe they just don't even know what life is about and they're just struggling to get through the next day. But we've got the light of life inside of us. We've come to understand Jesus' love. We have a view, right? We have a view. And as I was preparing this, I started to think, Mark, I don't know how people are going to take this because it's a bit of a hard thing to say, guys, you've got, to, you've got something in your hands and I want you to give it to God. I want you to, to kind of serve him. I want you to, to work for him, not yourselves. And I kind of was a bit worried because I thought, well, people are going to be here thinking, Mark, like, that's not your normal message. You're not the guy that says work harder. You're the guy that says it's all about relationship. And I started to unpack that. And I thought, it is about relationship. It's always about relationship. Because Jesus, he is our friend. And that's... That's a good relationship to have. Jesus is our saviour. And he plucked us out of our mess. He's our creator. He knitted us together in our mum's womb. But he's also our Lord. He's also our king. And it is about a healthy relationship. But part of having a healthy relationship is knowing who you are. But also the other part of a healthy relationship is knowing who they are and understanding God in all of his facets and all of his, his aspects. He's King of Kings and he's Lord of Lords and he's made us and it's only right that we relate to him as friend, as counsellor, as saviour, but also as Lord. And he deserves our commitment. Parable of the talents in Matthew 25 really backs this up. So far I've been talking Old Testament, but this is what Jesus says. The kingdom of heaven will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. That, that's that thing I'm talking about, his wealth that he's trusted us with. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags and another one bag, according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold 
went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also with the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold and I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seeds. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here it is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. See, well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take that bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more. And they will have in abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken away. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I thought I was being hardcore. But man, Jesus really... That's hard. I don't... That's kind of hard to take. So I don't fully understand. I don't fully understand that verse. I'm not going to pretend to understand the whole thing. But it seems serious. It seems like God is taking it serious that that He has entrusted us with things, and He wants us to to not see it as our own, but see it as a gift and and. And do the right thing with the breath in our lungs. Not just see it as a selfish thing. So we have a high place. We have something that God has blessed us with. You have a view. You have gifts and blessings that you're responsible. It's your responsibility to use it. Opportunities. So you have a view, but that's not the only thing. Because you also have a blind spot. Maybe more than a blind spot. Maybe I have a blind spot. And blind spots are dangerous, right? Um... If you're driving a car, 
and you get to an intersection and you don't see a car coming and you drive out in front of it, a blind spot can kill you. Right? It's serious. There's, there's spots that we can see more than anyone else. We have strengths. We have things that we're good at. But guys, we also have weaknesses. We have areas, man, we struggle, right? You're not good at everything. In fact, there's probably places in your life where you're quite broken. Where you maybe try over and over again to kind of get certain things right and you just can't get it right you know king david he had a he had a view man he had a view he could see the whole kingdom but man he had a blind spot he struggled he didn't have it all together and the way he treated bathsheba was just and it, and it created a massive mess in his life and i don't exactly know why he had such a big blind spot think his family was Samuel comes to him and says you know comes to his dad bring all your family here and you know the story that his dad doesn't doesn't even go and get him it's like he doesn't consider him a son so he I'm sure David was hurt some theologians suggest that maybe people maybe his dad thought he was illegitimate you know because he had red hair he stood out he was different didn't look like his other brothers. His brothers hated him too. So maybe they thought that he wasn't really the son. But for, for, one, for whatever reason, it's clear that the family wasn't a happy place. And, he, and this, this potentially affected him. And he had this blind spot. And definitely he had issues with lust for sure. And I'm sure he battled it. But at this particular day, at this particular time, he lost big time. And he was a terrible father. He didn't really know how to father his kids, probably because he wasn't fathered. But my point is he had some strengths, right? But man, he had some weaknesses. And, and that's like us. We have some strengths. But we have some blind spots. We have some low areas in our lives. And, you know, I'm so thankful for Jesus in that. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that he covers that in my life, that he's forgiven me. And I don't know if you've heard about Jesus, like maybe this is your first time here or maybe you're watching on the live stream, but God, Jesus is kind of like God looked down and he saw that we needed help and the help was Jesus. It's like God saw that we had blind spots, that we were broken and he sent Jesus. Jesus is like the help. I remember when I was a kid and um, my mum, she loves a clean house. Whose mums love a clean house? My mum's a super clean. Like pretty much everything was spotless. And I remember this one particular day. I was only young. I was probably like four years old. And I'm in the kitchen. 
and I'm pouring a, a big glass of milk. Who loves milk? Who is lactose intolerant? Who is lactose intolerant and still loves milk? I'm not lactose, by the way. I love my lactose. But uh, I'm pouring this, this thing of milk and, and I don't exactly know what went wrong. Whether as I was pouring it, you know how the, the glass sometimes slips when you, you don't understand you've, and you're using two hands and, or whether I picked it up and... Anyway, it's, it somehow went from being full to the brim of milk to smashed on the floor. Glass everywhere. And I can't remember the exact situation, but it was probably just before we had to go out. How that happens, parents. It's like, ah! It's like, right now, seriously. You could have broken it, you know, an hour ago. It would have been fine. But right now, please. And so I'm standing there in the kitchen with milk and glass everywhere in my bare feet. I don't know if you've seen a, a kid react like that, but I... I just didn't know what to do. I was just like, oh, man, what a mess. I don't even, and I just stood there and was just like, I don't, if I take a step, I'm going to cut myself. If I, there's, if I walk through it, I'm going to get it everywhere else. And I just didn't even know where to start with fixing that mess, right? And mum will... She's like, don't just stand there. But I'm like, <laughs> I didn't know what to do. And that's like us in our mess. We, we're broken and we just don't even know where to start to make things better. But Jesus does. And that's the point, right? That, that's the whole thing about Jesus coming to earth to clean up our mess. And it's kind of like, it's kind of like that's why... He hung on the cross. It's kind of like it's kind of like the greatest Christmas movie ever made, Die Hard. And how he walks through that broken glass to save his family. Like Jesus, it's like he cleans up that mess and you know what he wasn't even angry about it. The Bible says for the joy set before him, he endured the cross and he cleans up our mess with a smile on his face, not with not like my mum was not smiling. And so we all have a high place, but we all have a low place, and we need our mess cleaned up because we don't even know where to start. Romans 12 says this, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy... In view of that mercy that he came and he cleaned up our mess. In view of that, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Paul's saying, give back to God because what he's given to you. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is his good and pleasing and perfect will for by the grace given me I say to every one of you do not think of yourself more highly than you ought but rather think of yourself with sober judgment according 
in, in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Sounds a bit like Christmas festival, doesn't it? We all get together and we all do what we can do for the sake of the body, for the sake of our town. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, then do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. And practice hospitality. Man, that's such a powerful verse. So we have to judge soberly. We have to judge soberly. We're not good at everything. But Paul's saying here, have a go. But you're not going to be good at it. But if you are good at this, do that. But if you're not, don't do it. And it's sometimes hard to tell what we're good at. For instance, if you try and explain something to someone... You try to teach some, and they go away more confused. You're probably not a teacher. If you invite someone to your house and cook them up a beautiful meal and they get sick, you, you may, maybe you're not the best cook. You kind of get what I'm saying, right? Test your fruit. You're not good at everything and that's okay. Judge ourselves soberly and do what you can do. If when you sing, the paint comes off the wall and glasses break, maybe you're not a singer. But if you can sing, man, sing for God. Sing for God. If, like, Belinda won't let her husband fix anything around the house because it costs her more, then you probably don't have the gift of construction. And Josh is okay with that. He's come to terms with that. So he's a fantastic leader, isn't he? And he leads the church, but he can't fix things. So we just got to do what we can do. So my third point and the big challenge for today is sanctify, sanctify your view, right? King David, he had a view, but he didn't sanctify, not that particular day. Sanctify means to take something and dedicate it to the Lord. 
You know, in the temple they had the different instruments and the different things they would use for the ceremonies and they would, they would only use them for that. Yeah, thanks, band, if you want to come up. So I want to encourage us as a church for 2022. I felt like this message, you know, we're, so many of you are such a blessing. I was just thinking as I was preparing this about um, David Schulz. You know, we love David, don't we? I don't know if he's here or whatever. But the other day um, I was on, I, I, there was a guy that he was, he was struggling big time, right? He was struggling. And I thought, who can I get to go and visit him? Who's going to see value in this guy? And who's going to love him? And I thought, David gets it, right? He's good at that. He has a heart for people going through a tough situation. And I thought, I know that I can trust him with that. So I rang him and he straight away he said, yep, look, that's great. I'll, I'll, he dropped everything and he went, right? So, so that we, we're doing it. You know what you're good at. But I just felt God put this in my heart to encourage us afresh, looking into Christmas Festival, looking into 2022. It matters. It matters. Your gift matters. Don't just think it's worthless. Don't just think it doesn't matter. And don't do it for yourself. Do it for God. Let's sanctify our view as we stand there on our palace roof, no matter what it might be. It might be your intelligence. It might be your university. It might be your workplace opportunities. It might be your influence. It might be the way you look. It might be that you draw people to yourself. It might be that you can make stuff. It might be that you're friendly. But let's not stand on that roof and use it to give ourselves glory, to make ourselves wealthy in a sense. But let's, let's sanctify it. Let's be generous with it. Let's take responsibility for our part of the body and do something for God. Yeah? Let's make 2022 a year where the body of Christ is strong because we're all playing our part. So how? How do we sanctify our view. How do we do it? Is it just about trying harder? Is it just about gritting our teeth and reminding ourselves again, that's right, no, I need to, I need to give this to God. No, it's not. I was praying about some issues I had last week, week before. And I had a memory pop in my mind of me as a child putting nails into it and I was banging them with a hammer and I was angry and I was and I was angry because mum and dad were busy and I was saying you know what they can get stuffed I'll do it myself right you know I don't know if anyone's ever had that so you know what no one's going to help me fine I'll do it I'm going to do this because no one else will and I'm going to get it right. And God challenged me really hard and He said, Mark, that spirit of independence has no place in my kingdom. That spirit of independence, 
I'll do it myself. He's like, that's a big problem. Sanctify your view. We've got blind spots. David had a blind spot. The problem was he was on the roof alone, right? He forgot to include God in his day. He forgot to include others. I mean, there was, there was a servant up there, you know, the story. But, but he hadn't given him authority to speak into his life. Jonathan wasn't there. There wasn't anyone there who could speak into his life. So how do we sanctify our view? It's not about getting up at the start of the day and promising God to try harder. It's about taking Him with you, right? You know the story of the prodigal son. The big problem wasn't that he had some issues, that he went off alone. He went off on his own and it got better when when he maintained that relationship. So sanctifying your view is about recognizing that we need God and getting rid of that rotten independent spirit where we feel like we've got to do things ourselves. I used to love watching the Muppets when I was a kid. Most of you are probably too young for the Muppets. They used to have this skit. It was kind of like a meme before there was memes, right? And every week they'd, well, not every week, but they'd often do it. And there'd be this guy driving past on his push bike and he'd be like, look, mom, no hands. I don't know if you remember that. And, and he'd kind of go flying past with no hands on his push bike and then, you know, he'd crash. It's the look, mum, no hands, wanting the mum to be proud, wanting people to be, look at me, look at what I can do on my own. That's independence. Salvation starts with letting go of our independence, right? It's about dealing with it, our pride, our desire to say, look, mum, no hands, look how good I'm doing, and stay in humble, collaborative union. (laughs) Remember, Genesis, of those that have read the first few chapters of Genesis, God said, I've made the stars and it's good. The animals, I made them and it was good. And all these things were good. And then he's made man and it was good. But then he said, it's not good for man to be alone. Right? It's not good for man to be alone. It's not the point. Sanctify your view. Would you like to stand? As we close, I don't really know how to do this particular prayer. What I want to kind of do is us, rather than me kind of just go, okay, guys, this is what we have to pray. I kind of want us to be like a body. So it's not just about me praying, but it's about us joining together and and saying together, yeah, um, God, I want to take my part in the body. 
I recognise my independence and I, I just want to be what you're calling me to be and I, and I don't want to get off like you to my high places and I want to remember that I have a low place and I want you to be there with me and I want there to be people in my life to help me with my blind spots. I just want to be in this union for the sake of the community for the sake of the people that don't know, for the sake of the church. So I don't really know how to do this, but I'm just going to start and I just encourage you to do your own prayer to God in your heart. Whatever God's challenging you about, whatever He's spoken to you about today, I just encourage you to share that to Him. So, Father, here we are. You've spoken to our hearts. I have independence in areas of my life and I know that's not good. So here I am, God. I want to use the gifts you've given me, the breath in my lungs for selfish stuff. I wanted to bless you, God. Thank you for joining us this week. If you wish to connect with us, please send an email to info at life.house or come and see us at 170 Adelaide Road, Murray Bridge. And remember, the door is always open for you at Lifehouse. God's house, our home.